Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Monday, July 10th, and we start with local news. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter announced last week 10 new site development grant recipients, including Murray County's Industrial Development Board. The Industrial Development Board of Murray County will receive $100,000 for due diligence studies on the Innovation Campus site. Located in Spring Hill, the Innovation Campus is 330 acres of open land, ideally located and well-suited for a corporate headquarters or business park, according to Murray Alliance's website. This site is a unique asset for our community, as it was the vision of the Murray County Industrial Development Board to secure the property to be utilized for new and diversified types of economic development projects to create jobs for Murray County citizens, such as research and development, office, and corporate locations. We understand that this is a strategic, long-term economic development play and commend the IDB for their vision and foresight with this project, said Will Evans, president of Murray County Chamber and Economic Alliance. When the site was originally acquired by the Industrial Development Board, initial due diligence was performed to ensure the site was developable, such as soil reports, environmental reports, etc., These new funds from Tennessee Economic and Community Development will be utilized to offset costs associated with additional due diligence, focusing more on how to best develop the site infrastructure, such as traffic flow and utilities. The grants, totaling approximately $5.9 million, are designed to help communities invest in infrastructure and engineering improvements to land economic development projects and achieve select Tennessee site certification. We're committed to providing rural communities with the resources needed to support continued investment and create quality jobs for Tennesseans, Governor Lee said in a press statement. I thank the General Assembly for partnering with us to fund these 10 additional industrial sites and look forward to the economic growth and opportunity that will result from these projects, he said. The Site Development Grant Program, part of the Rural Economic Opportunity Act, works in tandem with Tennessee Economic and Community Development's Select Tennessee Program. Since 2016, Tennessee Economic and Community Development has awarded 153 site development grants across the state, totaling more than $60 million in assistance to local communities and generating approximately 6,400 new jobs for Tennesseans. The latest round of the site development program will bring 10 Tennessee communities one step closer to achieving select Tennessee site certification, said McWhorter. Shovel-ready sites are in high demand, and through this program, we are working with local leadership across the state to bring this needed infrastructure to every community, he said. Applications were received by an advisory committee made up of Tennessee Economic and Community Development, Austin Consulting, the Tennessee Valley Authority, Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation, and Tennessee Department of Transportation. Each application was supported by the community's senator and representatives in the Tennessee General Assembly. On June 29th, four years to the day of his passing, the obstacle course that Lieutenant Colonel retired Tony Cornelius first planned out with a few select parents and cadets in 2016 came to fruition. The formal dedication ceremony was attended by many former cadets and current cadets of the Junior ROTC program, as well as local civic organizations and parent volunteers that all helped build the course. 
From January 2009 to June 2019, Cornelius was the senior army instructor at Spring Hill High School. In 2011, he first had a vision to construct an obstacle course. At the time, it was to be the only obstacle course that allowed side-by-side competition. He broke ground on the course in 2017 with parent volunteers and cadets putting in hours of hard work on weekends. After years of fundraising events, donations from local businesses and civic organizations, he was able to break ground on the massive 17-station obstacle course without any funds from school or government resources. As the course was being constructed, parents and cadets started calling it the Juggernaut due to the size of some of the obstacles being constructed. Shortly before groundbreaking, Lieutenant Colonel Cornelius was diagnosed with throat cancer. However, he was not deterred as he underwent treatments while building the course simultaneously. During his last weeks and days, he would be too weak to get out of his truck to help build. His wife, Virginia, would drive him to the course and he would sit and watch and give instructions. Parent volunteers would come to him in his truck and get instructions on what needed to be done, and he watched and provided guidance. Sadly, he passed away in 2019 before the course was completed. For years, the program and obstacle course lacked effective leadership, motivation, and vision as the obstacle course had little progress or attention. However, on June 29th, after renewed passion and a vision under junior ROTC leadership, the course was officially completed and dedicated in his honor on the four-year anniversary of Lieutenant Colonel Cornelius's passing. Cadets both past and present, the many parents, the school staff and faculty are all honored to have known, worked with, and learned from him. For many years to come, the obstacle course will serve as another tool to improve leadership skills and to motivate young people to be better citizens. The Junior ROTC program will have the first annual Lieutenant Colonel Tony Cornelius Raider Challenge on October 28th. Spring Hill's historic Kissing House is about to add to its history again as a brunch spot and after-hours beer garden, breathing new life into a site listed among the National Registry of Historic Places. The house that came to be after a betrayal and a stolen kiss is undergoing a redesign before reopening its doors. Bill Benedict bought the residence eight years ago, hoping to make something more of it than a uniquely designed old house. He wanted the community to benefit from its use. Community juice lovers probably remember the most recent business operating out of the Kissing House, I Love Juice Bar, a venture of fresh hospitality food operation, which announced its opening in 2017, but recently closed. My concept was adaptive reuse, Benedict said, an idea that calls to mind the similar business operation on Main Street, where late Spring Hill teacher Maddie Laura Harris once lived for years. The former Harris home is now the popular local gathering place, the Fainting Goat Coffee Shop. I wanted to create something that would sustain and help preserve the building, Benedict said, but also to open it to the community. Running a startup restaurant out of the historic home for several years after purchasing the location, Benedict eventually sold his business and is today re-emerging with new business partners Josh and Pamela Batofsky. Benedict's adjusted business venture, Kissing House LLC, will be twofold, with the Batofskys at the front forefront, the architect and entrepreneur said. Benedict said Josh and Pamela Batofsky have a winning concept that pairs with his own vision. The Batofskys recently relocated from California to Spring Hill with hopes of starting a business, building new roots. Experiencing a series of setbacks during the height of COVID-19, just like many business owners, Batofsky said California felt particularly impossible as a place to ever see their business hopes thrive again. 
We owned restaurants and a clothing store in California, Batofsky said. We got rid of those and fled to Tennessee. Josh said landing in Spring Hill was where he and Pamela wanted to end up, keeping a business that is family-friendly and community-focused. The Brunch Collective will soon have a soft opening that Josh says he hopes will bring the perfect solution for families looking for more than a place to go eat, but moreover find activities to share together and connections to make with others. The Collective will feature brunch plates, coffee, and the return of the house juice bar, Josh said. Upstairs, we will have our boutique, the Boho Butterfly. Josh said that the boutique is currently located in Columbia, but will be moving its operation to the Kissing House. Fresh flowers by the bouquet are also a part of the business model. The idea of the collective is that there are multiple things the community can come and experience, and not just have a breakfast and leave, Batofsky said. We could come, you could come play cornhole, a tabletop game, and if you wanted to stay all day, you can get lunch, he said. Later in the evening, the eventual plan is for Benedict to bring a night concept for after-hours relaxing and fun. Once the collective closes, the plan is for Benedict to transition the business into his own adult-oriented third place with a working moniker turning the tone to a place more benefiting Benedict's concept, Babylon Beer Gardens. And that really fit into our multifaceted idea for the collective, Batofsky said. Located at 412 Mecklemore Avenue, just off Main Street, the Carpenter Gothic architectural house-style house was built in 1878 by a man named Peter Ritter, and eventually owned by the Odell family, whose own history with the house harbors its own intrigue of love, betrayal, and recompense. According to the history documented in the court case record from 1898, Sarah Odell was betrothed to marry Hugh Brown. Unaware that Brown was married in Nashville during the time of their engagement to a wife who was ailing and not expected to live long. As Benedict tells the story, Brown took Odell on a romantic walk where he pledged his love and intent to marry and care for her, sealing the promise with a kiss. Sarah was quite the catch and was courted by quite a few locals, Benedict said, one of those being Hugh Brown, who went to church with the family. Though Sarah's father was reluctant to give his daughter's hand in marriage due to Brown being 15 years her elder, he consented. A few weeks later, Sarah's father opened the paper and found Hugh Brown had married another woman, Benedict said. To say the least, he was a little upset and went to the sheriff to press charges against Hugh. The Odell family won the lawsuit against Brown and were awarded an amount equivalent today to right around $100,000, Benedict said. Sarah, along with her family, filed suit against Brown for breach of promise and was awarded $2,800, which allowed Sarah Odell to purchase the home, current owner Bill Benedict said. The Kissing House name was adopted thereafter, Benedict said, in a time when the Odell family owned a local market and were prominent residents of Spring Hill. The kiss that sealed the unkept promise that was Brown's undoing gave the home the name it retains in a play based on the real-life saga, The House That Kisses Bought. The Brunch Collective is expected to open sometime this month. For more information, visit thekissinghouse.com. Kids Helping Kids, a children's ministry from First United Methodist Church in Columbia, recently gave Sleep in Heavenly Peace, the nonprofit, $500 to help with two beds for children ages 3 to 17 who do not have them. Representatives from the group came to speak about child bedlessness. Sleep in Heavenly Peace is a group of volunteers dedicated to building, assembling, and delivering beds to children in need in Columbia and surrounding areas. They believe in sharing the need with the community and then providing ways for the community to help meet that need. 
Sleep in Heavenly Peace began in October of 2022 and has delivered more than 100 beds. Each bed costs about $250 for the wood, hardware, mattress, pillow, and bedding. All must be new and are delivered to the children in need in the community. Their motto is, No kid sleeps on the floor in our town. Sleep in Heavenly Peace will be having another bed build on August 12th at the Skillington Barn in Murray County Park behind the Senior Citizen Center. Volunteers wanting to help should be there from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And now your hometown memorials sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. James Walker, Jim McEwen, 75, longtime real estate broker in Columbia, died Friday, July 7th at his residence in Shady Grove. A celebration of life for Mr. McEwen will be held on the McEwen family farm in Shady Grove on Monday, July 10th at 5 p.m., where he will be laid to rest. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home are assisting the family with arrangements. Angela Dawn Lackey of Columbia and business analyst at Farm Bureau Health Plans for 21 years died Wednesday, July 5th. Visitation for Mrs. Lackey will be from 5 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday, July 11th at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home with the funeral Wednesday, July 12th at 11 a.m. at First Presbyterian Church of Spring Hill. Burial will follow at 2 p.m. at Kirkland Cemetery in Taft, Tennessee. Mrs. Patricia Sewell Fitzgerald, 85, passed away Thursday, July 6th in Columbia. Graveside services for Mrs. Fitzgerald will be conducted on Saturday, July 15th at 11 a.m. at Sunset Hill Cemetery in the Theta community. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia, since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have early clouds giving way to generally sunny skies for the afternoon. The high will reach 86 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect clear skies and a low of about 58 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, 
Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard. The same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg. We do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association. Funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm your host, Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Roy Brassfield Heron, former state lawmaker and former chair of the Tennessee Democratic Party, died in Nashville's Vanderbilt University Medical Center on Saturday, one week after sustaining injuries in a jet ski accident on Kentucky Lake. He was 69. Roy loved his family with all his might, said the Reverend Nancy Carol Miller Heron, Roy's spouse of 36 years, in a statement. 
He passed doing what he loved most, spending time with our sons and their friends in the Tennessee outdoors, where his spirit was always most free. A native of Dresden, Tennessee, Heron graduated from the University of Tennessee at Martin before getting a joint Master's of Divinity and Law degree from Vanderbilt University. He was first elected to the Tennessee General Assembly in 1986 as a state representative, taking the seat held by Ned Ray McWhorter, who was elected governor the same year. In 1996, he was elected to the Senate, where he rose to become chair of the Senate Democratic Caucus. At a time, Democrats held solid majorities in both the House and the Senate. In 2010, he was the Democratic nominee for Congress in the 8th Congressional District, losing to Crockett County farmer Stephen Fincher. The Tennessee Democratic Party Executive Committee elected Heron chairman in 2013, where he served one two-year term. He authored four books and numerous articles. Heron was known by friends and colleagues to have a strong moral compass, a fierce work ethic, unparalleled debating skills, and devotion to his Methodist faith and to his family. His band of Demo- brand of democratic politics was centered around improving life for Tennesseans, and particularly through shoe leather work in his district for working men and women. His interest in politics came early, and even before he held electoral office, he worked tirelessly to assure Democrats were elected, including in his successful 1984 U.S. Senate run, former Vice President Al Gore. No one of our generation got up earlier, ran more miles, put in longer hours, covered more ground, listened to more people, took more notes, and wrote and spoke more eloquently, said Nashville lawyer Tom Lee, a longtime friend of Heron's. You might beat him, but you weren't going to outwork him and you weren't going to worry about whether you still had a friend in him when it was all over, he said. In recent years, Heron, along with McWhorter and former Democratic lawmakers Craig Fitzhugh and Mark Maddox, formed the Volunteer Center for Rural Development, an organization that developed educational programs with an emphasis on Tennessee issues, and he lobbied the legislature on behalf of public education issues. There were 3,533 home closings reported in Middle Tennessee for the month of June, according to figures provided by Greater Nashville Realtors. This figure indicates a 17% decrease from the 4,257 closings reported for the same period last year. In June of 2019, there were 4,172 closings reported. Interest rates continue to drive the Greater Nashville housing market for both buyers and sellers, said Brad Copeland, Greater Nashville Realtors president. This has made condo sales continue to be strong as buyers flock to that inventory due to its affordability, he said. Data for the second quarter of 2023 showed 9,722 closings, a 19% decrease from the 12,057 closings during the second quarter of 2022. There were 11,823 closings reported during the second quarter of 2019. There were 2,894 sales pending at the end of June, compared to 3,245 pending sales at this time last year. In June of 2019, there were 3,645 sales pending. The average number of days on the market for a single-family home in June was 41 days. The median price for a residential single-family home was $474,900, and for a condominium, it was $330,000. This compares with last year's median residential and condominium prices of $495,070 and $348,150, respectively. In June of 2019, the median price for a residential single-family was $319,990, and for a condominium, it was $231,689. 
There were 9,594 active listings reported for the month of June, according to figures provided by Greater Nashville Realtors. This figure indicates a 30% increase from the 7,370 active listings reported for the same period last year. In June of 2019, inventory was 11,610. Currently, there are three and a half months of available inventory in the greater Nashville region. For the qualified buyer, the stabilization of home prices in 2023 combined with increased inventory makes now the most buyer-friendly market we have seen in Middle Tennessee in several years, Copeland added. The data collected for this release represents nine Middle Tennessee counties, Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Murray, Robertson, Rutherford, Sumner, Williamson, and Wilson. Tennessee's tax-free weekend is July 28th. The annual sales tax holiday will begin at 12.01 a.m. on Friday and end at 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, July 30th. During this time period, clothing, school supplies, and computers may be purchased without the 7% state sales tax, including items sold online. Certain restrictions apply. For example, all items purchased must be for personal use and not for business or trade. Wondering what's exempt on tax-free weekend and what isn't? Well, for clothing, clothes costing $100 or less per item are exempt. Non-exempt clothing includes clothing costing more than $100. Items sold together, such as shoes, cannot be split up to stay beneath the $100 maximum. Items like jewelry, handbags, or sports and recreational equipment are also not exempt. Personal use computers with a price tag of $1,500 or less are exempt. If priced at $1,500 or less, laptop computers may also qualify, as well as tablet computers. Non-exempt computers include, include storage equipment like flash drives and compact discs, individually purchased software, printer supplies, and household appliances. In terms of school supplies, school and art supplies costing $100 or less per item, such as binders, backpacks, crayons, paper, pens, and pencils, and rulers, and art supplies such as glazes, clay, paints, drawing pads, and artist paintbrushes are exempt, whereas school and art supplies costing more than $100 that are normally sold together cannot be split up to stay beneath $100 maximum are non-exempt. For a full alphabetized list of exempt items, you can visit www.tn.gov. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Three, two, one. 
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Grand Ole Opry will celebrate Country Music Hall of Fame member Bill Anderson as the longest-serving Opry member in the show's history on Saturday, July 22nd. Anderson, one of the most awarded songwriters in the history of country music and a highly successful performer in his own right, was inducted in the Opry family on July 15th of 1961. His membership has not lapsed in those 62 years, eclipsing the membership run of past Opry member Herman Crook, who joined the Opry in 1926 and remained with the show until his death in 1988. The Opry will celebrate Whisperin' Bill with a Saturday night performance set to include Anderson and fellow Opry members Vince Gill, Jamie Johnson, Jeannie Seeley, and Ricky Skaggs, among others. The Grand Ole Opry continues to be built on the shoulders of Opry members such as Bill Anderson, said Dan Rogers, Opry Vice President and Executive Producer. Singling Bill out as the Opry's longest tenured member in our history, among so many greats who came before him as well as so many contemporaries he calls his friends, is a tremendous honor for all of us. We look forward to celebrating his achievement and dedication later this month, he said. The Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum currently features the life and illustrious career of Anderson in the exhibition Bill Anderson, As Far As I Can See, which has been extended through Monday, September 25th. You can find tickets to the event at www.opry.com. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.